This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you this morning. We love spending this time with you Monday through Friday as we discuss issues of importance to your life and your faith. We love to hear from you here on Women of Grace Live. And when our phone lines light up, well, I'll tell you what, my face lights up and I smile <laughs> because it makes me so happy. So I'm inviting you to give us a call this morning, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live, where we love to have that holy conversation with you. Matthew Gubensky will take your calls, and he'll get you up on the board, and we'll be able to chit-chat together as we move forward in our program. Let me give you that number one more time, 833-288-E. EWTN. Available for you as well out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Chat feature is there for you to use. Put your name in there. Let us know if it's YouTube or Facebook. It's helpful for me to know that. And also what your comment might be or your question or your insight or your inspiration or your word of encouragement. Uh, It'll get retrieved by Michael McCall and he will post it for me and I will be able to respond. So we do hope that you will use all of those uh, uh, various ways in which you can join us. But there's one more for you. If you're outside of North America, you can call us too. Country code one. 205-271-2985. That's country code 1-205-271-2985. A33288-EWTN is the number to use if you're in North America and it's toll free for you. And we already have somebody calling in, so I am encouraging you to join this person uh, so that we can have some holy conversation. Want to let you know a little bit about what's happening out there in our uh, in our Women of Graceland, so to speak. Uh, we would love for you to join us for any one of the wonderful events that we have coming up. Uh, we've got lots of them coming up, as a matter of fact, and there's good reason for that. We are about the business of transforming the world one woman at a time. <laughs> now, how is that for a big hairy? audacious goal, right? It's a big one, all right. Uh, But you know, it's a beautiful thing to participate in the work of the Lord in a given day and time. And I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, you know, how blessed are we that God has entrusted this time to us? Uh, you know, it's it's a time that that really does need to hear uh, His Word. It's a time that really needs to appropriate that Word. It's a time when He really needs to see individuals who are striving to live that Word. And that's who you are. That's who I'm striving to be. You know, we are those people who are called to be the influencers of our day and time. It's, uh, you know, one of those words that's out there, right? We talk about social uh, media media influencers, etc. Well, we're called to be an influencer too. Uh, We're called to influence this world that we live in by bringing to it the truth who is our Lord Jesus Christ. We strive to do that through Women of Grace. We've got a a particular eye towards women, uh, but you know, evangelization is evangelization and the message is the same. The way in which we approach that message can vary by our own personal temperament and personality. Uh, Also, you know, our gender, of which there are only two by the way, our gender, male or female, also kind of helps to shape 
and direct and form uh, the way in which we are communicators, influencers uh, of, of the life of Christ in the world today. But we're all called to it. Uh, and, and we really do strive through Women of Grace to give great opportunities, uh, especially for women, to be able to be those daughters of the Most High God who see this as their call and mission and are willing to step into the fray of our day and do something about it. You know, we can sit there and complain. And listen, we've got lots we could complain about today. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that are so very uh, difficult to stomach. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, we are called not just to put up with them and complain about them. We are called to do something about them. So we try to encourage you to do that, and we do it in any number of different ways. Uh, we've got some ways coming up for you. You can check all of them out there at our website, womenofgrace.com, uh, all kinds of upcoming events that are going on and happening. Uh, we do this primarily through our foundational study, helping women to come into a deeper recognition and appreciation of who they are as daughters of the Most High God, and that gifts that are theirs by way of their authentic femininity. Uh, we also want to help them to bring that authentic femininity to bear upon the culture of the day in the very position uh, and place that God has entrusted to them, their vocation, their state in life, uh, the environment in which they live, the community in which they live, the family that is theirs, right? Uh, so we talk about all of those different ways. We do it in any number of ways. We do it through that foundational study, but we also do it through our book studies. We also do it through our 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 presentations, whether they're online presentations or presentations in person. We're doing it through our Benedicta Institute for Women, uh, which uh, is, is going to be relaunched in April there at Our Lady of Florida Spiritual Center on the East Coast of Florida uh, with a week-long immersive. We want to invite you to join us for this event. If you have a notion uh, you know, that God is calling you uh, to, to, number one, enter into a deeper relationship with him, uh, but number two, uh, you know, to, to in some way through that relationship and that forming and shaping of that relationship, to be one who is out there forming and shaping others, we want you to consider coming and joining. Uh, you can actually work towards a certification in Catholic women's leadership through the Benedicta Institute for Women, or you can just come for the spiritual enrichment of it. Uh, but we want for you to come. Uh, all of the information is there for you at our website, uh, inclusive of the vision and mission of the Benedicta, which, uh, you know, lines up perfectly with the overall vision and mission of Women of Grace. Uh, but also, it, it gives you an idea of, of what this certification program is going to look like uh, and how it is that you can acquire that certification if you desire it. Uh, we're blessed to have with us uh, for this immersive, our academic advisor, Dr. Donald Wallenfang. He's going to be presenting this week-long immersive. It's Who is Woman? The Journey from uh, Eve to Mary. Uh, we're also blessed to have with us the spiritual advisor of Women of Grace, uh, Bishop William Walterscheid, Auxiliary Bishop of, of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's going to be joining us. He'll be there uh, for us as a spiritual father. In addition to that, um, he will be giving us presentations in our dinner hour. Uh, so it's, it, it's really going to be something very, very special and quite unique. We want to invite you to join us for that. I want to invite you to join me next weekend, uh, not this one, not beginning uh, today, uh, but next weekend. 
uh, uh, there in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm going to be at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church speaking to the parish on Friday evening, uh, talking about thriving as Catholics in a post-truth world. You know, how are we those influencers and what can we do about it and how do we live it? Very important questions to ask. We are living in a in, in a very particular moment in the history of man. Uh, we, we are potentially watching Western civilization crumble. Uh, you know, and I, I sometimes wonder, like, you know, when ancient civilizations began to crumble, like the Roman, uh, you know, civilization, you know, were the Romans aware of the fact that it was crumbling? I think some of them were. Uh, what were they doing about it? I have no idea. But I know one thing. We are watching Western civilization crumble, and we're called to do something about it. We're going to be talking about that. The very next day, February the 17th, uh, I will be presenting to the women, and we're going to be talking about the, the great gift of our authentic femininity and the mission that's attached to it. And then we'll be talking about how we can execute that mission. Uh, you know, here's the idea, folks. Uh, we we need we need to be in the fray of the day. Maybe there is a particular thing God's calling you to do. Let's talk about all of it today, right here on Women of Grace Live, or anything else you want to talk about. A three three two eight eight EWTN. Matthew Gabinski on phones. Michael McCall out there on social media. Rich Jesse producing. We'll be right back. Join in on the conversation. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 1-833-288-EWTN. 1-833-288-3986. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Janet Williams on the air with you today, as I am Monday through Friday at this same time. On this same station and so many platforms out there, we want you to spread the good news about EWTN Radio. I'll tell you what, there are people out there that have us tuned in 24-7, and we're delighted about it. So we want you to let others know about the programming that we offer. Uh, We're talking about being influencers in the world. That's one way in which you can influence uh, individuals by letting them know that EWTN Radio is there for them, as well as EWTN Television. Uh, It's always amazing to me to go out and about uh, hither and yon and meet individuals who you know recognize me from EWTN television and the reason why uh, you know I enjoy that is not because they recognize me I enjoy it because I get to hear their stories on how it is that EWTN has changed their lives same thing happens when Jack and I are out and about um, at, at radio events and things like this and uh, you know we, we have the opportunity to uh, hear from our affiliates uh, the stories that they receive about how how their station has affected, influenced the life of another person. It is always sheer joy to me because we can give glory to God that he is uh, working in our midst today at a day and time when we so need for him to be working. So, you know, look at yourself as an influencer and ask the Lord, how do you want me to influence and who do you want me to influence today? Uh, That's what evangelization is. That's all that evangelization is. Uh, We are, by our words and by our actions and by our witness, always influencing people. The question is, to what? To what are we influencing them? Toward what are we influencing them? To the good, the true, and the beautiful, or to things of perdition? Uh, We'll be held accountable for it all. I certainly do know that. Uh, And that's going to be quite a moment. You know what really worries me about that? And then we're going to get to our phone lines because we have people calling in. I don't want them to go away. Uh, But you know what always gets me uh, about that whole thing, about the particular judgment and purgatory? Jesus' word in scripture, (laughs) when he says, you will be held accountable for every idle word that you speak. 
oh my gosh, that puts chills in my spine because I, I, I talk all the time, as you well know. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's like, okay, Lord, how many of those words were idle? And I kind of picture, okay, so if I end up in purgatory, you know, Yay, my salvation is assured. I would like to go straight to heaven, by the way, uh, just so you're listening, in case you're listening, Lord. But the fact of the matter is, I, I figure that's what purgatory would be for me. <laughs> listening to every idle word that I ever spoke over and over again on a loop. It just keeps playing <laughs> for a good portion of eternity. Oh, goodness, please, Lord, no. Anyway, ah, I'm inviting you to call us and share some words with us today, hopefully not idle ones, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live. Uh, you also can join us via EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Make use of that chat feature there. Uh, as I shared with you prior to the break, Michael McCall will retrieve your questions and comments out there at EWTN. Uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page. Uh, we've got uh, Matthew Gubensky answering the phones today. He's going to get you up on the board so I can chit-chat with you. We have Rich Jesse in the control room manning those controls and making the show happen, which makes me very delighted. Uh, and so it is, the only thing missing is you. <laughs> you are the only part of this beautiful equation uh, that is missing. So we invite you to call us, 833-288-EWTN. All of that being said, Tom has been holding since even before we got on the air practically. He is in Twinsburg, Ohio, listening to us via Annunciation Radio, one of my favorite, I guess I would even want to say my favorite scenes in sacred scripture is the Annunciation. Hey, Tom, how are you? Um, I usually listen to WCCR in Cleveland or online or wherever, but my two questions are, First, is it acceptable to research or attempt to perform ESP like telepathy or clairvoyance or something like that? And secondly, like for my example, I'm trying to give up oldies music for um, Lent. If I hear an oldie song while in the store or something like that, does that vitiate my penance? Okay, Tom, thank you for these good questions. So uh, let's go to the last one first. Uh, if you happen to hear an oldie song during Lent that you have not purposely uh, sought to listen to, you know, by turning on the radio to the oldie station or playing an old CD or something like that, uh, if that is the case and you just, you know, by happenstance hear it, no, you are not breaking your uh, your your commitment to that sacrifice during Lent at all because you can't help it. You can't necessarily run out of the store because you might be in the grocery store and you got to get your groceries. You, you have to eat after all. So no, that's not it. But if you're particularly seeking it out, you know, then of course that's another matter. So that's very easy to answer. The, the first question about psychic investigations and ESP is not a hard question to answer either. The answer for it is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And uh, you're going to find it, if you have a catechism, Tom, you're going to find it beginning in paragraph 2015, following all the way to 2017. And this is what I want to tell you. If you don't have a catechism, get a catechism. Because many, many answers to many, many questions about what our faith teaches and why are in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So here is uh, what we read in uh, paragraph, and I'll start with uh, 2116. It says, 
all forms of divination. Well, no, let me start with 2115. I'll back it up one. Okay, it says this. God can reveal the future to his prophets or to other saints. Still, a sound Christian attitude consists in putting oneself confidently into the hands of providence for whatever concerns the future and giving up all unhealthy curiosity about it. Improvidence, however, can constitute a lack of responsibility. And then in 2116, we're going to get a whole long list of things. Uh, The uh, uh, catechism states all forms, note the word all, forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future, consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance, which is what ESP is about, and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. Uh, And then in 2017, it gets even more specific. All practices of magic or sorcery by which one attempts to tame occult powers so as to place them at one's service and have a supernatural power over others, even if this were for the sake of restoring their health, are gravely contrary to the virtue of religion, gravely contrary. These practices are even more to be condemned when accompanied by the intention of harming someone or when they have recourse to the intervention of demons, wearing charms is also reprehensible. Spiritism often implies divination or magical practices. The church, for her part, warns the faithful against it. Recourse to so-called traditional cures does not justify either the, uh, the invocation of evil powers or the exploitation of another's credulity. So to answer your question, Tom, it is a sin to uh, be... Uh, uh, what do I want to say? To be... Um, uh, uh, in some way, encouraging uh, clairvoyance or ESP and to get involved with any kind of psychic investigations is unhealthy, spiritually, potentially dangerous, and clearly uh, a sin against uh, the first commandment, which thou, which is thou shalt have no strange gods before me. Not that you're necessarily making an idol out of those things, but you are, in, you, you are trying to delve into the powers that belong to God alone. Uh, so that is what I, I would tell you about all that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, there goes Tom. I'm not sure he was really happy with that answer, but you know, you got to speak the truth. It's not always easy to speak the truth, but you got to speak it because we're going to be held accountable for that. So there you have it, Tom. All right. Let's get to James in Dayton, Ohio. And we want to talk with you too. I really do. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. James with us from Dayton, Ohio today. And James is listening to us via Holy Family Radio. Good morning, James. Good morning, John Ed. It's been a while since I talked to you. It's been about a year, and I love, you know, watching you on YouTube or listening to you on Holy Family Radio. And you're you're a blessing. You make my day. Well, thank you, James. May God be praised for that. Yeah. I called in. I need prayer. Uh, My wife and I, we've been married for over 40 years. We Mm -hmm. have three sons who are grown up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And we're going through the process of um, getting rid of some things in our house we no longer use. Okay. And I, I, I spent a good part of my day yesterday afternoon sorting out family photos and everything else. And it's just, it's just, it's just slowly turned into drama. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten into arguments off and on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, before I go any further, I'm the only one in my family that is a practicing Catholic. Okay. Uh, my wife gave up on the Catholic Church when my autistic son was kicked out of a, of a local Catholic school. He was put into a severe behavior handicap program for several years, and he was then streamlined into the public school with his brothers. Mm-hmm. And she tells me that it's, you know, Catholic school is no longer an option, and that just devastated me. For several years, I drank, but I did join AA, and I've been sober ever since. Well, that's a wonderful thing. It is. But right now, at what, what, what the bottom right now, now, I just need prayer. I just, I just, I'm praying for divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Just, my wife was, let me give a, let me give my thoughts straight here, because I'm a little bit flustered right now. Okay. But she's, she's cynical. Mm-hmm. She still remembers the bad experience about my autistic son being spilled. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm calling for prayer, for, sure. for divine intervention, for my wife and my sons to return to the Catholic faith. Sure. I'm involved with the Garcia movement. I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus. And yes, I volunteer for Catholic Radio. Mm-hmm. James, I'm so sorry you're going through a struggle in your marriage right now. You know, it's interesting, uh, it's, Jack it's and I valley. just... It's a valley. It's a dark, it, morbid valley. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, It's a difficult time when marriages hit these moments. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we're certain to have ups and downs in married life because it's the way that God has entrusted to us for our perfection and sanctification. So we're going to be working all of that out. And most typically, it's in these moments of strife within the family that we have the opportunity to practice the greatest virtues. And you know that to be the case. Um, Cynicism... Uh, you know, is a is a uh, you know, it's an outlook on life that doesn't breed contentment or happiness. It doesn't breed contentment or happiness for the person who is cynical, nor does it breed contentment and happiness for the person who uh, is living with a cynical person or working with a cynical person. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult thing, and so the question I think that we sometimes have to explore is. What causes cynicism? Well, you can point to a particular instance and say, well, it was this. This is what started the downward decline. Um, and, and, and we're all going to have disappointments in life. And this was a big disappointment, probably for the entirety of your family, including you. But we also know that not all situations are created for all people. And it is unfortunate that our Catholic schools do not have the capacity in every case, and I would probably say in in the majority of cases, uh, to be able to provide for students who have special needs, whether the special needs have to do with with, uh, emotional struggles, whether it has to do with psychological struggles, uh, whether it has to do with with, uh, physical challenges. Uh, The schools are not really 
able to uh, provide that kind of care in most cases, that kind of education that is specific to that, because they don't necessarily have the funding. And of course, we really don't want our Catholic schools to accept federal funding because you don't want the federal government uh, telling you what, what it is that you can and cannot teach. So it's a conundrum for schools. Um, maybe in this situation, it wasn't handled as well. Uh, my heart, in a certain sense, aches for your wife uh, because as a mom, I know how we want the best thing for our kid. And when our child is not receiving that best thing, at least what we perceive to be the ve- best thing, it can be very difficult. We, we struggled with one of our own children and, um, you know, bounced around from school to school. And uh, it was painful for our child, but it was very painful for my late husband and myself as parents. And you feel that you, you know, you don't know what to do or where to go. And, and so you turn in on yourself and it can cause, you know, a lot of depression. Uh, But in addition to that, you're, 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 you're frustrated with yourself because you can't come up with the answer. And, uh, you know, in, in, in that case, it can become a trap and I think that that might well be what, what happened with your wife. It's become a trap that she can't get out of now. And everything is colored, not just her attitude towards that, you know, those individuals in that school and perhaps the way it was handled and not just with that school, but with the whole entire faith. And that's unfortunate because in those moments, what we need the most is to dig deeply into that faith and to find there that reservoir of divine life that God wants us to know for that moment. Um and when we reject that, then we are really, truly pa- trying to paddle those turbulent waters all by ourselves, and we don't get out of those turbulent waters, and we go around in circles. Um, so I, I, I will pray for you, and I will pray for your wife, but what can you as her husband do in this moment? Of course, you know, uh, it's always a little testy between husbands and wives when you're trying to declutter, you know? <laughs> because for a woman, just about everything has an emotional attachment. You know, we look at an object and, and we just don't see a ratty old t-shirt. You know, we see the t-shirt that our child wore when he, you know, played in a, a particular game in school and won, you know, so, so I can never give this up. It was such a moment of achievement for him, you know. <laughs> so that's always a testy thing. Uh, we are called a detachment, however, uh, but, you know, uh, compromise is necessary there, uh, you know, in trying to sort through stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, there is that. But this overarching cynicism, I'm sure, doesn't help. So we'll talk more on the other side of the break. I've got some things to share with you, and we're going to pray. So I'm going to ask you to hold for me. You hear that music. We have to go to a break. Don't have an option on that one. But we invite you to call in. Maybe you've been through a valley in your own marriage, uh, and you can give some helpful insight to James. Uh, We all go through them. Uh, You know, we don't like them. Uh, but, you know, having gone through them and successfully come out of them is, is also a good news story. And knowing how that took place can really be uh, an instrument that leads somebody out of the depths, out of that valley. Coming right back, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page available as well. Coming right back. Stay with us. The Women of Grace phone lines are open, 1-833-288-EWTN, 
1-833-288-3986. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams, inviting you to give us a call today. That's what makes me smile here. Yes, your calls do. 833-288-3986. That's 833-288-EWTN. We have James with us. James is calling us from Dayton, Ohio today. Holy Family Radio is the way that he's listening to us. And he's called and he wants some prayer. Uh, he and his wife have hit uh, a major valley right now in their married life, and they uh, are, are trying to sort through it. Uh, he is, anyway, um, her attitude is one of cynicism. He relates it back to an incident that happened uh, with their autistic son when he was um, invited out of the school, the Catholic school, and that began a series of, of uh, changes for that uh, young man. Um, nonetheless, they're not communicating very well right now, and they're also trying to declutter, which that in and of itself is a major event. So James, I, I, I want to tell you that last weekend, Jack and I um, had the opportunity to present a marriage retreat in Boca Raton, Florida. And, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about what true love is, and, and, and I gave, I, I gave a, uh, you know, a fourfold definition that uh, I found in a beautiful spiritual book, uh, that uh, true love is disinterested, meaning that it's not looking to its own interests, but to the interests of the other. It's efficacious and effective. Uh, that means that it produces results. It's faithful, constant, and strong. That's what helps us to get through times like this. And it's tender and affectionate. And uh, so I want to, I'm just going to share these words with you before we pray. And and I want to share uh, two of them. I want to share the efficacious and effective, and I want to share the faithful, constant, and strong. Uh, and so when we explored what it means, you know, the, the, the efficacious and effective, it produces results, you know, it does things. It means it's not just talking about love, but love is being, uh, is being uh, shown uh, and received, or at least shown so that it can be received, uh, I kind of came up with with uh, three ways in which that is uh, true. How is it that true love is efficacious and effective? First of all, it's felt. It's felt through loving words. And I extended an invitation to everybody there that they should consciously make an effort through the course of the day to, to say five loving words to their spouse. And a word is not necessarily a singular word, but a word like a message. Uh, efficacious and effective, it's also experienced. It's felt and it's experienced. And how, how can we show uh, uh, you know, this individual that we love them? Uh, it, it, through courtesy, just through common courtesy. You mentioned that sarcasm and cynicism has been part of, of uh, the experience lately. Uh, you know, when there's a sarcastic comment made, you know, don't come back with a sarcastic comment. Show courtesy. You know, one of my favorite lines that I use a lot is, I'm so sorry you feel that way. You know, it makes me sad to see you upset. That kind of a thing. Um, you know, it's, it's courteous. It's, it's, it's empathetic. It's caring. It's witnessed. You know, how do we show somebody that we care? It's witnessed. They, they can see it through our patient forbearance. And I think that that's the virtue that... Um, is necessary right now to be patient through this time. The valley is not always going to be there, uh, you know. Uh, so we we want to uh, strive to the best of our ability uh, to uh, be attentive to uh, the the uh, need that our loved one has. 
Tender and affectionate is the other one. You know, I think that it's so easy, and I'm not saying this is the case with you and your wife, but I, I know that it can be the case being in two marriages, um, you know, where, you know, the, the, the press of the day happens. Um, we, we have a, a, a way of interacting through the course of the day, you know, we go off, we do, we do what it is that we do. We come home, there's a routine, we eat, we, you know, there's all of this that's in play. We sometimes forget that every day that's entrusted to us is meant to be a day that we experience the grace of God through the sacrament that he's entrusted to us. And in your case, James, and in my case, and in the case for many of you, that is through our marriage. So we have to be feeding that marital bond. And I'm going to share something. When only one person, you know, when, when it's always up to the person whose faith is the strongest to be the one who is doing the nourishing. Uh, I can remember, you know, one time in my marriage with uh, my late husband, we were going through a valley, a very deep valley, and 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 I was frustrated, and and I was crying out to the Lord, and and I, and I was getting insight. Uh, you know, in my heart on what it is that I should do. And it all had to do with dying to self. <laughs> you know, it's like it had to do with dying to self. And I was frustrated by that. And I said to the Lord, why does it always have to be me? Why do I always have to be the one who is dying to self? And the Lord said to me, it's because you're the believer and it's always up to the believer. That is a strong word. And I got to tell you, I was not happy to hear it, but I was being instructed. God was giving me the way out and I didn't like his solution. But if I wanted to get out, if I wanted that situation to change, then it was incumbent upon me. And so I had to suck it up. And, you know, there's truth in that. So even if you're in a marriage and you're both believers, the one who is is more attuned to the voice of God, the one who is really striving after holiness to a greater or lesser degree, to you know, that person is the one who has to move into the fray. And I've got three scripture passages. There's many of them, but these are the three that I landed on to share with the people on Saturday, and I'm sharing them with you now. You know, how do how are we to be tender and affectionate? Go to Galatians 5, verses 17 through 25. Go to Colossians 3, verses 5 through 17. Go to Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, and practice what it says. Uh, the other thing about this business of, 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 of true love being felt, um, you know, there is so much that can be communicated in a gentle touch. So much can be said in a gentle touch. So much can be said with an affectionate smile. So much can be accomplished through a reconciliatory look. Um, so, you know, James, uh, we're going to pray. But I guess what I'm saying to you is your capacity to move in such a St. Joseph-like way is what's going to actually help your wife. Uh, I'm sure that you've been doing this. I'm not suggesting that you're not. So don't misunderstand. I'm sure that you are. But maybe the Lord is saying at this moment, in this pit, in this valley, there needs to be a deeper digging in. You know, even even in having a conversation, 
that begins with tender and loving words. I love you. It pains me to see you so dissatisfied. What can I do to help this moment? What can I do for you? Tell me what I can do. And maybe you've done all that. And maybe you've been rebuffed. I happen to know what that feels like. The fact of the matter is you keep doing it. It is that constancy, that beautiful virtue of constancy um, that is going to, to hold you in good stead during this time. So I've talked a whole lot here. Um, I hope they haven't been idle words, Lord. I hope they haven't been idle words. But let's just say a prayer together. Father God, your, your son James and I come before you in this moment, and we lift up this moment in their marriage where the pit seems so deep and that valley is, 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 is so, so complicated. Father God, I ask that you would give your son divine and holy light by way of your Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord God, that you would supernaturalize those areas of his own being that uh, have the capacity, Lord, uh, through his natural temperament uh, to be open and loving. I ask that you supernaturalize them, Lord, uh, with your love for his wife. Your love for her, Father God, is infinite. Sometimes our love, I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's so paltry, especially in moments when we're being tried to the end of our limit. Father God, I ask now that you would come into that reservoir <clears throat> of love in your son's heart, and I ask that you would pour into it uh, your own divine and holy love for your daughter, who is struggling, whether she will admit it or not. Um, uh, I'm, and, and a word that's coming into my mind, even as I'm praying here, James, is defense mechanisms, that the cynicism is a defense mechanism to protect her from hurt. Well, Father God, that's really a big deal that you're showing us there. And I, I'm just asking, Lord God, that um, through the, the, the healing power of the Holy Spirit, you would enter your daughter's heart into that very area that is so wounded, Lord, that she feels that these defense mechanisms uh, need to be kept in place. That in somehow, somehow this cynicism is her defense against being hurt again. Maybe hurt again as deeply as she was hurt when um, James and her son was, was uh, basically asked to leave uh, the school that he was in. Uh, for, for all of those difficult moments that she experienced as a mom in, in, in realizing the uh, pain and suffering that her son was going through because of the autism and recognizing and realizing that disability in and of itself. Father God, I'm just asking now that you would go deeply into your daughter's heart and you would begin to cauterize those wounds, Lord. You would begin to heal them. Father God, I ask that there would be a break. I ask that there would be a break in this ice of cynicism that has your daughter locked in its frozen grip, I ask, Father God, that there would be a break in it. Mary, our mother, I'm asking that you meet your daughter there. I'm asking, Mother, that the, the warmth of your maternal beatitude would begin to melt, unfreeze this grip of iciness and coldness that has taken the form of cynicism that surrounds your daughter. I ask, Mother, that your maternal love would prevail and that you and your spouse, the Holy Spirit, the two of you, 
that make the God-man present to us. That our Lord Jesus Christ would be present to your daughter in a new and vibrant way. Nothing is beyond your capacity, Father God, nothing. And so we're praying in earnest for your will to be done. I pray also, Lord, for James, that he is given the fortitude and the strength that he needs. Sustain him. Sustain him. Just as a mother bird feeds her little bird, her little eaglet, just as she feeds her little one from her own mouth, I pray that the Holy Spirit would feed your son with the virtues that he needs to be more than a conqueror in this moment. St. Joseph, I pray for your intercession for your son James. And so it is, Father, that we offer this prayer to you in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the merits of his cross, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and with the maternal beatitude and intercession of our Blessed Lady. Amen. Well, James, thanks for your call, and I'll be praying for you, and you'll be in my rosary today. God bless you, good man. God bless you. Let's go to Cecilia. Cecilia is a first-time caller calling us from Grand Rapids, Michigan, also listening to us via Holy Family Radio. Cecilia, welcome. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. It's going to be hard to follow that beautiful prayer that you just had. That was very, uh, touched my heart. Um, I, I am calling because I have a similar situation to James, and maybe maybe this would be of some help, maybe not, but um, I want to share it with you because it, it shows a little bit another side. We are, my husband and I are parents of nine children, nine grandchildren, uh, two of whom um, are special needs. One has Down syndrome, is 34, and um, my other son is high-functioning autism. Okay. Um, we all of our kids went to the Catholic schools, and we gave. Uh, they helped us out financially a lot when our kids were younger, and then in turn we have now uh, had the means to support the schools financially. Again, what what was given to us, but I always felt that our sons Luke and Colby were left out. Even though Colby mm-hmm. went to school, he's the one with autism. There, there wasn't. There were things that he could have they could have done better, and he was often left out on things that his brothers and sisters were able to do. Now they're adults, and it still bothered me. And I go to adoration at the school. They have a hour, they have a weekly adoration at the high school, and parents come and pray for the students and for whatever other intention. And I was going to have to stop doing that because I can't leave our son Luke home alone. Mm-hmm. He works two days a week, but the day that I wanted to go... I couldn't leave him home, so I went up to the principal and told her that, you know, here is a family that has two special needs people, and you say you include everybody, and I know you can't afford to do anything financially, but what can you do? And she said, well, why doesn't Luke become a volunteer worker at our school? He can work while you're in adoration, and you can, he can, we brainstormed, and so while I go to adoration, he goes with a student and sets up the chairs for the weekly mass. He goes to the mass with them. There's a therapy dog. He takes the dog for a walk with a student around the football field, and he eats lunch with them, and I pick him up at 1 o'clock. So my morning is actually free. I can pray, and Luke feels, is he looks forward. He goes, every Tuesday he'll say, Mom, West, West Catholic, West, Mom, West. He's so excited. <laughs> and 
And that's a way that I feel they they felt that they need to do something for us. And just another thing is our other son, Colby, who's much higher functioning. He has his own job. He has a car, but he loves sports. And he wasn't able to, you know, autism, he was kind of awkward, but yet he, you know, we're such a sports family, and, and he wanted to be a part of it. Well, I talked with the coach. He has become, for the last two years, the assistant coach to the football team. Oh, my gosh. They call him Coach K. He... He is so happy. He reports to the other kids, and they say he's better than ESPN because he can report the. He's. I'm so happy. And um, I was really angry before that. Here were you know they did stuff, and I should be happy they helped our other kids get through the school. But here we are supporting him, and what are they doing for these two children? And we're they're starting to reach out to other families that have special needs, and it doesn't cost any money. You know, Cecilia, this this is such a beautiful story. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a story that's beautiful on so many levels. I mean, ju- <laughs> just the, just the act of love of charity, right? Just just putting yeah. that that you know, making that virtue real is is a beautiful thing. But I'll tell you what really grabs my heart is the ingenuity, the ingenuity. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. oftentimes that's what's lacking. We don't think outside yeah. of the box. Sometimes in this case, you know, we're not thinking inside of the box, inside yeah. of where mm-hmm. they, are, you know, and what what is it that can be done? Uh, and there's there's a lot of things that can. And, you know, I'm sure that as I was talking to James and you were listening, um, you can relate to his wife. I mean, it's so easy yes. to get trapped oh into a, a cynicism mm-hmm. and an anger, which doesn't do anything right it it just alienates and and isolates even more uh and and to contrast the way that you felt there uh initially uh with the anger to where you are now with this joy that exudes from you and the excitement that's in your own voice is a very beautiful thing uh, so you know, I think that this is a uh, James. This, you know, I, I don't know what your exact situation is at this point, but I think that Cecilia at least opens up a possible uh, door. Uh, you know, that that you and your wife could brainstorm uh, that, that that might help. You know, to to uh, put some salve on this situation uh, and 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 also uh, bring a sense of accomplishment to your son. And that's what your son's experience, Cecilia, is that great, beautiful sense of accomplishment. Uh, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, I, I am so very grateful for your testimony today. And, and you know, educators too, I, it's, the press of what's required in all of our positions uh, <coughs> sometimes can can narrow our thinking capacity, you know, to, to the, to, to what has to get done, what must I do? And, and, and it doesn't allow for that, um, creative ingenuity to begin to explore new avenues. Uh, and, and I think maybe Cecilia, you've done that for a whole lot of people today through your testimony. So I want to thank you so very, very much for it. Uh, so, you know, friends, I mean, you know, no matter what we're facing in our life, I, I can assure you of one thing. I, you know, I, and I was thinking about this actually after that retreat. Um, I, I was praying, and uh, in that prayer, you know, I, I, I was, I was, you know, kind of reviewing with the Lord a little bit. You know, 
uh, about about some of of what was shared uh, during that day, and and we there, there there was quite a bit of talking about this nourishing of the marital bond. It's something we don't think about. There was quite a bit of talk about the lack of preparation for marriage. You know, Jack uh, is fond of saying that uh, every uh, priest uh, by obligation has to make a canonical retreat once a year. Well, there's no such requirement for married couples. A priest has eight years of training. Well, what's the training for a married couple? Nothing. Maybe a weekend. You know, uh, is that enough training for for a, a lifelong vocation? Absolutely not. Um, you know, so we were talking about you know the, nourishing that marital bond, feeding the marriage. Uh, you know, I gave some examples uh, to James there, but I was also thinking about the fact that you know, uh, isn't it isn't it very beautiful? That that God in this in in every single vocation in every state in life, God wants to take us to Himself, and there is the cross. The cross is there, and you know everything good comes by way of the cross. Everything good. Uh, first of all, as we go through a valley in our marriage, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is that's a time of cross. God wants to bring that marriage to a new place that it couldn't be brought to without the cross. Grace comes by way of the cross when that cross is embraced. Jesus did not repudiate the cross. Jesus embraced the cross. So when we embrace the struggle and we're seeking the godly way in the midst of the struggle, that marriage will come out more resilient and stronger than it was before. I have heard of, of couples who have gone through uh, infidelity in the marriage, where there's been gross infidelity in the marriage. They went through that time of struggle to keep the marriage together, and that marriage is stronger than it was before the adulterous action. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, say that the adulterous action was good, but what it does say is that it doesn't have to have the last word. So, uh, you know, whatever struggle you're facing, whether it's in your marriage or somewhere else, it doesn't have to have the last word. It's not the defining factor. Embrace the cross. Find Christ with you on the cross. Exhibit his docility to the Father's will. Yours will be by virtuous living in the midst of that struggle and see what God does. Well, it's been great being with you today. Uh, have a blessed and, 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 and happy weekend. Um, you know, Super Bowl is Sunday. Make sure that you go to Mass first. <laughs> Until we are together again, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye now.